Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Welcome to Family Life Podcast, hosted by myself, Anita Fletcher, and brought to you by Soundspace. Today's special guest is psychologist and author, Dr. Mary O'Kane. And during today's episode, we will chat about anxiety in children, how routines can have a positive impact, how allowing for mistakes can help build resilience. And of course, we'll chat about Mary's new book, Perfectly Imperfect Parenting. So for all of this and more, stay tuned to Family Life Podcast. Hello, everybody. You're all very welcome to today's podcast with me, Anita Fletcher, and the fabulous Dr. Mary O'Kane. And we are here coming to you from Family Life Podcast. So Dr. Mary O'Kane is somebody that I wanted to have on this podcast. As soon as I heard we were going to do a Family Life, Mary O'Kane came straight into my head because of the fabulous book that I came across called Perfectly Imperfect Parenting. So, Mary, you're very welcome. Tell me a little bit about you and your book. Oh, well, Anita, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to meet you, too, and to be a part of the podcast. Um, oh, the book, the book. Um, you know, I, I, I the book was a big thing to actually get out there into the world. And I, I should say, Anita, I lecture in psychology and I lecture in education. So psychology and education and research and everything is has been a part of my life for so long. And I suppose when I started to write the book, I thought, I, there's all this stuff in my head and I would like to get it out there for parents. The book is all about children's social and emotional development, because that's really what I lecture in. But the title and the whole idea of being this perfectly imperfect parent came from... Oh, Anita, I think it came from the pressure that I feel parents are under at the moment to be this completely unrealistic ideal. You know, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And yet, do you know what I think? I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we see our failures and we think, oh, I'm not doing a good job of this and oh, maybe I'm not getting this right. And we look at the girl down the road or we look at the mum at the school gate and we think she has everything under control look at her she looks wonderful she has her instagram hashtag making memories all the time on instagram. <laughs> and we feel we feel that we're just not good enough and part of the book was to say breathe you are good enough just as you are you 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 are the parent you're supposed to be and just take that little bit of time to breathe fabulous and you know what we just need somebody like you to tell us that and now you've put it all in a book like we listen to you all the time we see you on on um, Ireland AM and we listen to all this great advice knowing the passion behind it and then you put it all in one place for us like uh, thanks <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you Anita thank you I really hope you know that parents actually I've got a great response so far to it I have to be well, honest I was delighted 
it's so nerve-wracking putting yeah. a book out because you just it is like another baby it's like my fourth child and it went out there into the world and I was so nervous I sent it um to a few people to review so because of the Ireland AM I sent it to Karen Coster and um, I work with Alison Curtis on today events so I sent it to Alice and I kind of knew she would get it because she yeah. really gets me yeah. and Tom Savage I used to work with him and Dave so I sent it to a few of those people oh Anita it, it was literally like giving a part to myself and just yes. oh I was so scared and when when they came back positive that just gave me a little bit more confidence yeah. just to think yeah. you know what no I'm gonna put it out into the world but funny Anita because I we were talking earlier ourselves and we yeah. both have been involved in training and lecturing for years and you know, as I know, there is a joy in that, in in working with people and, and breaking down the sometimes kind of complicated theory and trying to break it down in a really user-friendly way. Yeah. And that was another thing I wanted to do in the book. So I've included quite a lot of psychology and your brain development and stuff, but I didn't want to include it in a way that parents would think, yeah. oh, would you listen Terrified. to your woman? You know, yeah. I've tried to break it down in a way that, I hope now that parents find really useful. Well, I definitely think you did. I think you captured what you wanted to because I can hear your voice in there, Ah. (laughs) right? So it's not just that I'm reading it and I'm just reading the words of somebody. I can actually hear your voice in it. So it was a really, really good read. And I go back and forward to it all the time. And I relate to it even in my own consultations um, when I'm working with parents because what I'm getting a lot of um, lately is the whole... uh, children being anxious you know the whole anxiety thing that's overwhelming our children at the moment are you finding that oh Anita absolutely resilience and anxiety they are the there are two topics if you like at the moment and and funny I, I suppose if I can just explain before I talk about them why I think they're linked to perfection I have this theory you see Anita that the way we parent has changed and if I look at like my mom's generation or my grandmother's generation they parented very differently so they were more relaxed in their parenting but they weren't under pressure to be perfect at all my grandmother had told me how when babies were born back in the day you shoved them in the pram you put them out in the garden and you might go out and check on them out many hours later that they were kind of like no I'm not saying go shove your baby in the pram in the garden they were kind of relaxed and then I think for those generations they they gave their children independence and they they stepped back they weren't controlling and but they let their children sort of out on the road they let their children out like when I was a kid and I write about this in the book we had a caravan down in Arklow when I was a kid well my mother would probably tell you Anita we had a mobile home well, but yeah. believe me it was a caravan <laughs> leaky roof and all but anyway but we'd spend the summers down there and I mean it was lovely but we'd get up in the morning and you'd just get up and you'd go and you'd come back when you were hungry and so yeah. that was our childhood yeah. and we learned so much we became independent we became resilient but I think I think it's my generation, my mom's generation and her mom's generation believed their children were safe. Yes. And they were proven wrong. And the fear that created, I think particularly in Irish society, that mm. it was my generation. It's as if we came full circle, but we got so scared if we've created the perfect storm we drive our kids everywhere we Mm -hmm. over schedule them we are terrified of them out of our sight but 
by doing that. And it's as if we think this is being perfect. This is the perfect parent. This is what I have to do. But it doesn't have the effect we want. No. And then our, their children are building resilience and they're becoming more anxious. And, yeah. uh, and I'm really not blaming parents. And I hope that doesn't sound as if I am because I'm not. You know, my whole thing is good enough. That's good yeah. enough. Yeah. But it's the pressure we're under. Absolutely. And I don't think that you, you sound like you're blaming parents at all there. In fact, I think that you sound like you're trying to take the pressure off parents. That's right? what because I want. we have overloaded our children. We have arranged all the dance classes and the football coaching mm-hmm. and the basketball and the swimming and the everything and the play dates. Yes. Like absolutely everything. We're putting it all up in line for our children. So they're not getting to make these mistakes themselves. Yeah. They're not getting to actually learn by a mistake that they might make. Yeah. When you went off in the caravan or the mobile home <laughs> uh, to Arklow and you were running off for the day, your parents didn't see all your mistakes. Yeah. You yeah. were unaware of all the little mistakes that you were making. So they didn't get to fix them for you. They didn't no. get to come up with all of these solutions. You did exactly. And I think, and I look back and you, we learned conflict resolution. We learned problem solving. We made our own decisions. There was nobody there jumping in to rescue us or to yeah. save us. We did it all. And and it was so good for us. Yeah. And funny, I know you know the term, and I hate these terms, helicopter parenting and lawnmower yeah. parenting. Yeah. Anita, I was a lawnmower with a helicopter rotor above me <laughs> when, when my eldest was little. Like, I yeah. was that woman, absolutely. Because I was just so scared that something might happen to her. And I, and I wanted to be this really, really perfect mother. And I, so that was who I was. But it made me controlling. And I look back now and I see it. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone. I think for so many of us, we, we, we step in and we control. I talk in the book, it's a concept we talk about in education and in psychology, actually, um, all the time. And it's scaffolding our children's learning. Yeah. And I would say to parents, I'm always saying this, see yourself as the scaffolding on the building comes from a psychologist called Bruner and his idea is so we're you're building a building so you're putting up these bricks and it's a little bit wobbly not strong enough yet so what do you do you have the scaffolding the scaffolding is there until the building's secure but once it's secure you remove it and again another psychologist talks about allowing children to be ahead above themselves a man called Vygotsky and it's if you do this scaffolding you allow children to grow that head higher than they are and this is I really say to parents think about this it's like if you see yourself as the clue to the crossword the child can't do the crossword do you jump in and do it for them or do you think ah no I give them a little clue and then they grow and develop and and it's so good for them for their independence for the resilience or problem solving and you and I both know Anita the research now into levels of anxiety in our children and and it's really linked to resilience as well yeah and and I think we are do you know I hate when people talk about um children being um as they grow up they're snowflakes and terminology like that uh-huh. and I think how yeah. how can you do that if yeah. your child's yeah. a snowflake look back you know I know yeah. I do that all the time I look at myself and I think yeah. no it's not fair to do this to them it's That's society true. we've kind of done it if possible yeah. to them yeah yeah absolutely and and by doing exactly what you just said there coming up with their solutions yeah so coming up with their solutions instead of just saying like do you know what what would you do next time exactly what would you do yeah that's it nice and quiet just keep (laughs) it quiet and let them talk listen you know my mammy used to say to me 
That's why God gave you two ears and only one mouth. <laughs> oh, I love that one. Listen twice as hard as you speak. Oh. And that's so important when it comes to our kids, isn't it? Yeah. That we actually, when we ask them the question, that we actually stop to, to listen to the answer because a lot of the time we have the answer ready in our head and we oh. are ready to give it. Isn't that it? And oh, yes, definitely. And funny, I think, as you say, it's we find it hard not to jump in. You know, your child comes home, she's had a row with the BFF on the yard, and she comes in and she's giving you the drama of it all. And before you know it, you're going, Well, now you go in there tomorrow and you tell her. And you just think, No, step yeah. away from the child, you know. And I do the same, just what you said. Instead of jumping in with solutions, you to say, Oh, pet, and all the, I always think a bit of empathy, a bit of empathy first. Oh, pet, that sounds so hard. What do you think you might do? And you're just putting it back on them instead. See, I used to be that solving mummy, solving it all the time. And yeah, we, we have to look at ourselves, step back a little bit. It makes all the difference in the world to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you know, allowing, giving them the confidence, expressing your confidence in their ability to be able to do it. Yes. So like my son recently, um, we were doing a little mindfulness session and we were talking about strengths and weaknesses. And he said that his strength was his voice. And he has a beautiful voice. He sings and he loves to sing and dance and all that jazz. And um, I said, actually, it is. Yeah, that is definitely your strength. And you're a lovely singer. And he said, no, no, no. I mean, like my voice is my strength as if something was going wrong with me, I could use my voice to fix it. Or if somebody was going wrong with somebody else, I could use my voice to fix it. And he's 13. And I never thought I'd hear that from him. Oh, like he would I be the last that. person that you would kind of think and I was like hmm, okay well done you Isn't well, only because lovely. he's been allowed to use his own yes and as it's given him the confidence he knows he's strong he knows he's capable that isn't that exactly and that's what you want for your child isn't it yeah you know we've had the you know covid has done so much for us hasn't it mary like it's taken away so much from our children but you know what it's given a lot as well it makes you know it is it's an opportunity for us to have been able to allow them to actually make their own snacks you know I'm working, you're going to have to make a snack for yourself or, you know, <laughs> have you changed your bed? Can you change your bed there? Or, you know, uh, you, you just all of a sudden walk down and they're automatically doing these things and you think, hmm, yeah. you know, this has worked out this is okay. Good. Isn't it funny as well, Nita? And I know, I mean, gosh, COVID isn't so hard in so many ways, but I agree. The other thing I wonder about COVID is one of the, one of my mantras is, connection not perfection within your family connection is the most important thing that invisible string between you and your child and I think particularly the first lockdown or was it the second I know don't you wonder the sunny one whichever the sunny one was the sunny lockdown but do you remember we were it was the first one do you remember we were baking banana bread and knitting and we were all out in the garden if you had a garden or we were in the park or whatever but that one I think that maybe reminded us of the real value in family connection it reminded us what was really really important in our worlds and maybe that's not a bad thing either as once we make sure we don't lose it again that's that's the only thing yeah 
see that's the fear isn't it that we forget the good times that we kind of just think no we need to get back to work we need to get back to school we need to get back to the busy lives and we need to get back and yeah. then all of a sudden that great work that was done through lockdown yeah. of making our children strong and independent has gone out the window yeah. Anita I can see myself falling into that trap already I'm already yeah. I've found over the last while I'm I'm overscheduled and I'm whatever and um, funny I talk in the book and I, it's something I'm trying to follow through on a lady called Pam Leo and you you've probably heard of her if your listeners haven't heard of her they'll know her you know that saying about filling your child's love cup that's Pam Leo so most people have heard that you need to be really aware of filling your child's love cup so that's Pam Leo she's this American um, parenting expert she's written parenting programs whatever but she was the lady who came up with the idea of thinking about the amount of time we have with our children and she was probably one of the first people to build that argument it's not the quantity it's the quality that's really really important and she has a theory about 10 minutes a day now I'm I'm a real believer Anita in the 80-20 rule I try and do things 80% of the time so you don't have to think you have to do it every single day remember we're not perfect we're not aiming for perfection but I love this idea of Pam Leo's and her thing is in terms of self-esteem and you know their their self-belief she says aim to have 10 minutes absolute connection with your child every day that's I mean it's not a huge amount of time and she suggests for the little ones and um, play preferably rough and tumble and um, if they're keen and rough and tumble now, I'm not great at the rough and tumble the other way some of us are and yeah. some of us aren't yeah. my yeah. husband would be really good at it yeah. I'm I'm just not so comfortable um, and I always say if you're not comfortable with something that let it go and you have to be true to yourself you know so I leave that bit to him but absolutely. 10 minutes a day she says with each child so you turn off the phone and you absolutely connect so say you have a little one and he's playing on the floor with his Thomas Tank engine or whatever it might be you just get down beside him and you let him lead the play and you play if you have an older one it might be like I have a 21 year old son and what I do with him Anita is I trap him in the car and he thinks I'm being a good mother offering him a lift but no I am not I'm actually trying to build that connection I know if I get him in the car doesn't have to make eye contact. Oh, eye contact. Yeah, he's looking out the window. And next thing, he's telling me about his world. But I know that's one thing that I was doing because in lockdown, we had this time. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I'm saying to myself, okay, that's a takeaway for me. I'm trying to really make sure I do that with each of my kids, 80-20 rule, 80% yeah. of the time, if I can do it, that's good enough and good enough parenting is all we need. And so I know that's one thing I've taken away because you, you don't want to see the good stuff just disappear into franticness again. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, one thing that I said to my own children was that if, if there was anything that I learned through lockdown, it was like that. If anything really, if anything devastating happened to me, to me and dad, yeah. that they would actually be able to look after themselves. Yeah. That they would actually be able to be you know to mind themselves yeah. and you know and it's really important you know because like you said the the resilience and the anxiety the pressure that people are on this is going you know it, it's heightening the anxiety it's yeah. putting resilience re- resilience out the window children are finding it much harder to regulate their emotions yeah yeah you know well, funny anita and the the anxiety one i you know do you know the mary cannon study i think it was back in about 2016 mary cannon is um a lecturer in the royal college of surgery and she had done a big research project now this is definitely pre-COVID and it was she found that by the age of 13 one in three of our children had struggled with a mental health difficulty and anxiety was pretty high by the age of 24 
50% of them, half of them. Now that was pre-COVID. Then the My World 2 survey, do you remember it came out? The November 19th. So again, it was before COVID. Yeah. One of the things, and again, I remember it was, uh, gosh, so these were older kids, but I, one of the figures that always sticks in my head was the number who reported severe anxiety had jumped from 11 to 22%. I mean, 22%, that's nearly a quarter of them. And that I remember that figure really frightening me. But one of the things I took comfort from, I remember in that study, and it's something you and I know and from attachment theory, the kids said themselves, if they had that one good adult, if they had that one supportive adult in their lives, yeah. it made all the difference. And we know that. I mean, in psychology, in education, we've been shouting about this for years. And I think that we have to take that away. It's like, it's so important that we, we say, okay, we know we ch our children are more anxious, but the most important thing is our relationship with them and yeah. that we are that calm, supportive presence, if you like, because I know, I think when our children become anxious, what do we do? And I'm speaking from personal experience, second chicken from that Lawrence Cohen book, we just get anxious, anxious, anxious. I don't know if you've read his story about the second chicken. He has this, Lawrence Cohen wrote a brilliant book on anxiety called The Opposite of Worry. Oh, I love that book. And he writes in it about how we parent our anxious children. And he tells a story about chickens. He did a study on chickens when he was in high school. And he you, we, we talk about fight or flight. Well, yeah. fight, flight or freeze. Well, chickens yeah. freeze. And it's tonic immobilization, it's called, if you're a chicken, so according to Lawrence anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and he was told, he studied this in chickens and he found if he gave a chicken a shock, like if he made it feel under threat, it would go into the state of tonic immobilization. It's like playing possum, yeah. playing yeah. dead for a minute, maybe up to two minutes. So he was timing them all and testing it. If he put another chicken into the mix and it saw the first chicken in this frozen state the second chicken didn't have to see the threat it automatically went into that state and the two of them stayed there for five minutes mm -hmm. and he relates it to parenting yeah. and I think to myself Mary oh. you are the second chicken that you know? is so true that is, is so true yeah we, and we, that, that's we it we fire with fire you know or we you know we yes. just trying to get into this whole thing where uh, and you know there's a little bit of a meltdown and we're trying to calm the down and we're trying to you know like say calm down to somebody when they're having a meltdown it, you oh, know, it's like rag to a bull do you know so I often I say know. to parents try to try to you know, let that happen and then later on bring it up and say do you know what I was thinking that maybe you could use this windmill when you're feeling like that and give it a little blow you know blow that windmill yeah there for you whenever you need it you know so give them the solution if you need to afterwards or yes. talk yes. about solution if you need to yes. afterwards because in the no. middle of that there's no point in us being the storm part of the storm be the exactly be the exactly and they're caught up in their emotional brain and i think as parents we forget that we we think from our prefrontal cortex so the front of our brain the thinking brain and there we are trying to think logically and they're coming from the emotional brain and then they get anxious and suddenly we're coming from the emotional brain too and it's like ah oh. so yeah I think learning to breathe, just breathe ourselves, step away from the child. I actually say that in my head sometimes. Yeah. Step yeah. away from the child, Mary, and just step back and breathe and give them the time to breathe. And if we, particularly for our anxious children, they really, really need us to be that 
calm, secure presence in their lives. And yeah. it, it counts for so much um, if we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about being the mountain in their storm, when there is a storm and we're going at it, then we're looking at anger. Um, and, and that comes up quite a lot for me. Uh, does it for you, you know, anger management and especially when they're coming through their you know, different developmental stages? Well, funny, I'm finding parents of teenagers at the moment now. I, and I hate to see teenagers um, being put down because funny, I, I'm, I'm very love Facebook. I'm always posting stuff on Facebook and I yeah. post funny stuff. And the number of times it's about the teenagers. And I always have to say, I love our teenagers really because I do. But I think COVID was particularly hard on that group. The last 18 months, you know, the children who made last year made the transition from Pre, um, from primary to secondary, even from preschool to primary, but from primary to secondary in particular, the children who made the transition to college. And the, yeah. they've spent a year of their lives, online lectures, in yeah. their bedroom, not connecting with their friends. Yeah. And uh, But all of our teenagers developmentally, oh my gosh, they should be out there. Mixed. I mean, they're moving away from us in a good way. You know, they're, yeah. they're finding their independence and their peers are, are so important to them that lockdown was so hard in that group so I would agree I think parents have perhaps find that found that group quite challenging yeah. and, but again it's funny and I write about this in the book particularly with teenagers understanding their brain development yes. is so important because they are it's back, being a teenager it's like being a toddler in a bigger body it the the brain is actually functioning in very similar ways and so often they're they're not re they're, they are being hijacked by their brain development and they they find it so hard to think logically and calmly and sensible it and just doesn't come naturally life. to them and who do they need you, to learn to regulate a child has to co-regulate they need us to be that calm presence and if we support them in in just staying calm and breathing it down and showing them then they will learn to regulate because they do learn by what they see and we can tell them you know oh gosh you just take 10 deep breaths every time you feel stressed and then they see us being and they think well you ain't taking your 10 deep breaths you yeah know, it doesn't mean you know, we can say what we want we have to model what we, we want to. them to to um put into practice themselves yeah, absolutely like be the person you want them to be you know be what be you know be like i said the calm and the like you said the calm and the storm there and like the teenagers now are coming out um, after this, you know, awful long time um, in lockdown, everything taken away, their teachers, their peers, yeah. their dance coaches, their football coaches, everything taken away. They were lumbered with us <laughs> for nearly two years. Just <laughs> us. All these people taken away, lumbered with just us. It was hard on them and it was hard on us as parents. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And Anita, when you think about it, one, this is one of the things, when, when I hear people criticising teenagers at the moment, I feel our teenagers, and the vast majority of them, were really good. I mean, they might have had the odd little tiny lapse, but the vast majority were so good. I know there was a small minority who did seem to be breaking all the rules, but we had that in every age group. That wasn't only teenagers. Yeah. But the vast majority did this, and they didn't do it for themselves. They did it for their grannies and their granddads. Yeah. They did it for the vulnerable kids. 
they did it for all these other groups and we criticize them where they are young and healthy. They were the group who were least likely to be harmed by COVID and they've given up so much. I hope this is, I keep talking about this being the summer of play and adventure, but for our teenage, for all our children, but for our teenagers in particular, oh, they deserve a summer of fun, a summer of relaxing, of, of boredom, of using their imagination again and of connecting with their friends. Yeah. Of, and of just being, just yes. being. Yeah, they, they really desperately need it, I think. And I mean, the summer of play, I keep saying for our children, that's what they need. I know parents are sometimes saying to me, even particularly with the older ones, oh, they, you know, they wouldn't engage in the online learning. And I feel they've, they've fallen back and they're, they're online at the moment. They're on their iPad or whatever. And you know, I'm really worried about their academics. And I keep saying, breathe, not academics. Yeah. They will catch up instead focus on their social and emotional skills, their friendships, those relationships, if they can do that all summer. And the little ones, you know, how do they learn? They learn through yeah. play. They need yeah. to be out there. And again, it kind of comes back then to this whole idea of being this, the fear we have being the perfect parent and we hover over their play even. I mean, I'm saying to parents of younger children, you know, and we, the play date parent, we, yeah. we, are the play date parent and you you hear I know I wrote about this in the book and I mean this is this is absolutely me I mean I'm also his parent and you're you're in and you're having a coffee and you hear a yell from the back garden and you jump up and you're secretly hoping let Fear. mine be the one bleeding don't yes. let mine yes. be the one who's done it don't mean yes. <laughs> let mine be the one because if mine is the one that does it it makes me a bad parent but we rush out and what do we do we jump in and we intervene and we say now Oh, what do you say to and you tell me what happened to me yeah. don't allow them to solve their own little their conflicts yeah. Anita I don't know if you've ever watched the secret life of four-year-olds and the secret life of five-year-olds oh, I, oh, and I love that show oh, if anyone oh. hasn't seen it it's basically hidden cameras in a preschool yeah. myself no, my no. youngest love it I remember watching it one time and there were these two little boys two little blonde boys and they were best best friends really really good friends and this little girl came along and in fact her mom is Irish and um, she lives in the UK I, her dad is Nigerian I think her mom is Irish beautiful stunning little child anyway one of the little five-year-old boys heads was turned by the beautiful oh. Naomi and it caused a conflict in the friendship so these two little five-year-old boys one of them is so hurt you know his friend has a girlfriend and he's left him they have a row now Anita I'm sitting on the sofa thinking oh when are they going to intervene the two little boys now their faces were only six inches of even that apart and they're yelling at each other <laughs> The practitioners didn't step in. They allowed them to do it. So they yelled and they both shouted about how angry they were. And then they stopped and they talked and they apologized. And they and I thought they're five and they could do it because no adult jumped in and forced them to apologize or to make up. They worked through it. Oh, Nita, you, our children are so much more capable sometimes than we give them credit for. They absolutely are, you know, and I say that, you know, I say that to parents a lot, you know, because we're all working from home now. We're in one room. We hear a little bit of chaos going in. What do we do? Immediately, we drop everything. We go in there. We sort out the chaos. We come back to our laptop really annoyed. And I say, <laughs> you know, keep a little notepad beside your, beside your laptop. And when you hear the chaos, write it down. Just write down a little bit of chaos going on in the kids room there. Four o'clock talking to Mary um, on the phone here and by the time you're finished writing that down 
that's probably resolved. There's probably <laughs> absolutely no need for you to go in there, you know? So just stop and think before yeah. you jump, you know? Stop and respond to it instead of immediately whipping around and solving their problems. And that little um, experiment with those two boys obviously proved that that's yeah. what they can do. They are yeah. well capable. They really, do you know what I'm funny, Anita? I work, I guess, election education. Not a lot of my students would be um, early ed, you know, practitioners. So yeah. they're preschool practitioners going yeah. back to do their degree. Oh yeah. my gosh, like, they are brilliant. They're so good at doing this because they have learned how capable children are. They are, they're so good at just stepping back that little bit. And I think with us as parents, you know, what do we want for our children? We want them to good self-esteem we want them to have confidence we want them to be strong and capable and independent and we really need to learn to just just step back that little bit and give them the opportunity to be all these things that we know they can be and if they get it wrong and if they make mistakes not the end of the world yet they're <laughs> learning mistakes are learning opportunities and that's such a big one as well Anita an important message funny so much of the research on our older kids, on our teenagers now, shows compared to maybe five decades ago, our teenagers now have a fear of failure and they see mistakes as failure. And I think that's another thing we need to remember to really teach our kids. And that's one that we do have to um, scaffold them in understanding mistakes are how you learn they're how you grow and and tell them about your own mistakes oh I remember when I was oh I remember when I did this and we'll never do that again and we learn but that's another one I always feel if we want them to become strong and capable we need to let them believe that they can try something and if they get it wrong not the end of the world they can try again Sandspace will return after this brief message My name is Jack Kavanagh and I would like to tell you about my podcast which is part of the Soundspace series. It's called Real Life and we take the lessons and principles of well-being, of lifestyle medicine, of positive psychology and look at them through the lens of real life stories. Stories of people that have been through thick and thin and have come out on the right side of it who apply these lessons through their lives. Many of them are practitioners in the areas of health, of psychology, and many other disciplines. And I myself have a story. When I was age 20, I had a spinal cord injury, which left me with about 15% muscle function. And over the years, qualifying as a pharmacist, and then furthering my studies into the world of coaching psychology and positive psychology coupled with lifestyle medicine, I've developed a real interest in how these principles can be used in our day-to-day lives to increase our well-being and to manage when times aren't so good. Look forward to having you join me. Speak soon. It's funny now that you're saying that because I refer a lot in my consultations since reading your book about uh, what you said about a baby learning to walk. When they're learning yes. to walk, they fall, they get up, they fall, they get up. And no matter how many times they fall, yep. we're like, oh, don't worry, no bother. Up you get, up the daisies, off yeah. you go. And they can keep trying as yeah. often as they like. Mm. And then they get to a certain age 
And without, you know, unknowns to ourselves, we kind of turn that around, don't we? It's yeah. kind of more like, oh, did you make that mistake? Oh, you want to be careful now the next time you do that. So yep. all of a sudden now they feel, oh, I'm not allowed to make a mistake. Yeah. Or you did what? Yeah. And we have the, uh, we give them the eye, the look, you know. No, it's so true. And it's funny, as you say, I'm uh, and funny as I was writing the book, I remember thinking about that example and thinking about my own daughter and the ups days, which I would have always said, you're joyful at their mistakes. You're like, oh, you. And they, they don't see plopping down on their bum as a failure. This is how I learned. This is how when you think about them learning to talk and walk and all these things that they've learned by mistake, 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 and they get better and better and better. And you're right, it we have to question why so many of them start to see mistakes as being failure, as something that I hide, something I don't want to talk about, something I has anyone seen me do that? No, yeah. And it, it, we again, um, and it is, we have to look back on ourselves. I really don't mean to be critical because, you know, I think I always talk, Anita, about Donald Winnicott and his whole idea of good enough. Well, he spoke about mothering, but now we call it good yeah. enough parenting. Yeah. Back in the day, it was all mothers. But, and it can be mom, it could be dad, it could be granny, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. But we being good enough, that concept of being good enough. And I think for ourselves, it's learning to accept good enough is exactly what our children need. If we were this perfect parent who never got anything wrong, your children would never become resilient. All those little mistakes we make help them to become strong and resilient. But we also need to allow them the same grace. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. We need to we need to allow them to see us make mistakes mm. and bounce back from them. Yeah. And therefore they'll see themselves making these mistakes and bouncing, bouncing back from them. And yeah. that's the whole, you know, it, it's what we want for our children, isn't it? We want them to have that bounce back ability. To oh, be exactly. To. Exactly. And funny, you were talking earlier about, you know, when times are tough and maybe our teens are answering back and we we find ourselves retaliating. And even so say you do that and say you think, okay, I mean, I always, I'm always talking about one of the chapters about parenting with patience. And it's hard. Yeah. So you, I mean, none of us are going to get it right all the time. Absolutely not. You have that day where it's just the straw that broke the camel's back Absolutely. and you snap back at them and you, and as soon as it's out of your mouth, you think, oh no, why did I do that? And you see their face kind of crumble or if they're a teenager, you see the fire in their eyes you think, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. But if we get it wrong, don't worry, we're only human, but repair, repair. Go back to it. You'll come back when you have that little time to breathe and come back and repair with them. Because for me, I keep saying your connection, connection is everything. And repair is very important if we get it wrong with them yeah. in terms of rebuilding trust and connection with them. Yeah. And then, and this again teaches them that they can repair. You know, exactly. you're modeling the behavior you want them to learn. Absolutely. You know, being the, being the person you want them to be. And the, and by them being able to see that they've made a mistake, look back and think, oh, my God, because you know what they're like? Kids are like, oh, my God, I did that. Nobody's ever going to talk to me again. Yes. I'm never going to be allowed into that group of friends again. I'm never yes. going to be able to step back inside school again. All of these horrible things go through their minds. Yeah. But if we can just model that behavior and say, actually, when we've all made mistakes, yeah. What's important is, is that we try to rectify them. You yeah, know, exactly. that we go back there and we can go in and we can do what, you know, if it's an apology that's needed, if it's, you know, whatever it is, yes. we can do this. And you know, yes. this is hard, but we can do hard yes. things. 
definitely. Oh, Anita, and it's funny you talk about apologies. You know, if you had a row with your partner or your husband, whoever it might be, and you would apologize. So many of us as parents have a little oh. bit of a funny issue apologizing to your children. This yeah, is one yeah. thing. I can hold my hand up and say, I really do this one. This one I get right. But yeah. I do. I try. If I feel from when they were little, if I feel, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I will always apologize yeah. it's just parenting with respect you're treating them with the respect that you want them to treat others with yes. just because they're little doesn't mean they don't deserve the same respect you would give to your friend you know yeah and how are they supposed to learn how yeah. are they supposed to learn to apologize and to kind of feel sorry as well you know to, to know what that feels like yeah to be able to um, relay it to somebody how are they ever going to know how to do that if we're not modeling that behavior? Yeah, that's it. Modeling is huge. It re we really have to try and be the person that yeah. we want them to be. It's yeah. funny, somebody just said to me the other night, it really resonated with me. Um, and I, this is one of the things I'm trying not to fall back in, uh, into out of COVID. I tend to overcommit to things, so I overschedule. So I'm busy, busy, busy. And I, I, I have to learn to make myself yeah. start to yeah. say no. And somebody said to me the other night, because I'm always talking about modeling behavior. And they said to me, well, if, if you're saying you're always very busy, you need to think about this because you are showing your child that's the way to live your life. Do you want your child to make time for themselves or do you want them to be busy, busy? And I thought, hold on a minute. Yeah. I'm not showing them I respect myself enough to make time for me. Absolutely. And that's what I'm really trying to work on um, at the moment. I always believe in our parenting, pick one or two things at any given time to try and just think, okay, I'm trying to, to improve on this. And that's that's a big one for me at the moment. Yeah. I'm really trying to work on being the parent I want them to be. And I do it in certain ways. You know, I apologize. I don't give out about people behind the backs. Like I will never do that. But I thought, see, you, you start to think, oh, I'm, I'm getting good at this parenting job. And then you realize, no, actually, I'm not. No, I'm very imperfect. Want. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's what I'm working on at the moment. And look, that's and the, the, you, taking those three things, those three little points. And we talk about that, that even in parenting, don't we? So for ourselves, we take three points that we're going to try to improve on yes. and then take three points from the kids that we want to support them in improving yep. Yeah, you know, so rather than overwhelming ourselves with this oh, whole big yes. trying to be perfect, no. take it one step at a time, don't overwhelm yourself and move forward. That's it. That's exactly it. I'm telling you. And we need to we think we think so alike. We really do. But definitely. Yes. And you're good enough is good enough. Yeah, That's what I always think. Is. Donald Winnicott. I'm always quoting that man. Any, if I'm having a bad day, I think, oh, no, Donald would say it's what okay, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good enough is good enough. It yeah. absolutely is. And you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure. We've gone. We've, we could keep going. Oh. You know, we could keep going. We could keep talking forever. And I'm sure I would love to have you back on as a guest, Mary, oh. because I know that people are going to absolutely love it. And perfectly imperfect parenting is just the best way for you to learn, for anybody to learn how to connect with their children and, oh. and get that parenting connection. I'm thank so you, Anita. Oh, oh, thank you. Honestly, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. 
Can I just say, if people do want to order the book, shameless plug going on here. But if you don't mind, Anita, if anyone would like to order it, they can get it. The easiest place is my website, www.drmaryokane.ie. It is also available on Amazon, but particularly if people are in Ireland um, on my website. And my social media is all under Dr. Mary O'Kane. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on them all um, because I'm posting there all the time. And I'd love to connect with people. And yeah, and I would recommend that people do connect with you and and just go on like that to your social network pages and see the great work that you're doing for everybody. Mary, thank you so much. I really thank you for having me, Anita. Thank you for listening to Family Life Podcast with me, Anita Fletcher, and my special guest, sleep consultant, Lucy Wolf. Today's top tips and takeaways would be begin Lucy's gentle sleep approach from the age of six months onwards. Allow your child to sleep and unlock their own inherent sleep ability. Make sure that your child isn't overtired when they go to bed because an overtired child finds it hard to sleep through the night. And don't be afraid of the dummy. You don't have to get rid of it. Just teach your child to use it for themselves. This will minimize the amount of times that you need to get up in the night to replace the dummy. For these tips and more, you can always pop over to Lucy's social media pages. And of course, for more podcasts like this, Join us in Family Life Podcasts. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace, the go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting, and health and fitness.